CBS presents this program in color. Welcome to 1960s TV Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Recorded April 1st, 2016. Yes, so today we're uh, switching gears. Uh, We've done 200 and something episodes of Star Trek Comic Book Review. Which we love, but... Yes, but there was many other great TV shows from the 60s that have also uh, continued their stories in comic book form. And we're going to start addressing some of those. Yeah, boy, there's so many. I remember when I was a kid, loved the Star Trek gold key and man from uncle gold key and um and of course batman period but which right uh, but there are many and uh i enjoyed them when i was a kid why not not revisit them exactly so i mean there's so many to choose from lost in space doctor who even i dream of genie had a uh comic book series i mean we're (laughs) we're, we're going that far okay let's do it well, that's what's so great about this premise is that we can still do Star Trek when we want to, but we got so much other stuff that we can kind of nibble on. Cool. And maybe we can stick more to the, uh, to the science fiction-y, action-y kind of things. But yeah, why not? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I doubt I we'll ever TV? see I Dream oh, of Genie. But I'm just saying, 60s was, was a good marriage between TV and comic books. So let's do it. Okay. Sounds great. So yeah. what is our first uh, set of comic books we're doing, Donnie? Right, so here it is, beginning of April, and a big movie just came out, Batman vs. Superman, and uh, 60s was also a big year for Batman, and also a big year for Man from Uncle, and they just recently started a crossover between the 1966 Batman and the Man from Uncle, so we thought we would give that one a shot. Good. And, and this, is, this is interesting that they're publishing this now. So right. th- these books, they started them uh, 2015. Um, I, I just think it's a really cool premise, and they're pretty cool comics, and uh, I, I, I'm kind of surprised they're doing that. I mean, they picked this pairing, but it's really cool, and it works. It really does work. I was surprised on how well they, they do merge, and without sacrificing what made the individual TV shows what they were. Right. Um, and definitely in the, in the early days of Man From U.N.C.L.E., they were a little bit more towards the uh, spy kind of thing. They were definitely riding the uh, surf of the Bond movie popularity. Um, And they took themselves a little seriously in the first season. But then as it proceeded, um, I think they kind of hitched their star a little bit more towards the popularity that Batman was seeing. And so towards the end, they became a little more campy, a little more um, uh, cliffhanger-ish. Um, so, and then it's extending here to, uh, these comic books. So, right. And I'm, I'm sure Warner brothers probably had ulterior motive with this cause 
I think they recently made the Man from Uncle TV, uh, Man from Uncle movie. Um, Which, by the way, I really enjoyed. I did too. I, I enjoyed the heck out of that. I would like to see more of those. I do too. I hope it did well enough to to make a sequel. But yeah, I don't think so, it did though. But I don't think it did we'll either. See. But uh, I just thought it was hilarious that uh, you know we had Henry Cavill as Napoleon Solo, who yep, obviously Henry Cavill is very famous for being Superman right now. Yep. And uh, the gentleman who played Napoleon Solo in the uh, original, uh, what was his name? Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn. I was going to say Matthew Vaughn, but. Uh, I didn't think that was That's right. That's director, I think. Right. <laughs> yeah, so Robert Vaughn, and then, uh, I mean, not his most famous role, but he did have a big part in the Superman movies where he played the uh, villain uh, Webster in the Superman 3 movie. So, oh, hmm, interesting. Kind of a neat little geeky nod that uh, both of those uh, franchises have kind of tied into Superman at some point, <laughs> even the original and the reboot. Right. So anyways, but yeah, so today we're going to cover uh, the first six digital issues of the Batman 66 meets Man from Uncle, which if you're reading it in printed form, it would be the first three issues of the printed form versions. So if you're following along, that's that's how we're going to do it. Right. So don't don't freak out about there being six that we're doing. They're kind of they're broken up a bit. So they're they're short. Yeah, so Relative. the the digital format that DC's doing is that every week they release a digital comic, and it's really kind of like a half a comic. Yeah. So you really need two, sometimes three of them, to make a full printed version of a comic. So. Right. But uh, but these are quite good, and they all end on cliffhangers and kind of feed into the to the next, which you would expect out of a Batman sixty six storyline. Right, and this definitely is a, a story arc. So we're not. I mean, this is all one. Big, long story arc over these six, quote, issues, and it's not done by the end, so it right. keeps going. Yeah, at the time of our recording, uh, they have come out with one more after the six that we're going to do, but they haven't quite finished the series yet, so hopefully, you know, once it's all said and done, uh, maybe we can get around to talking about it again here on the, the 60s comic book review, but not promising anything <laughs> in the near future. Okay, okay. Okay, so Donnie, you uh, got the first one. I do have the first one. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. The uh, We don't have published dates, but these this uh, is issue one of the digital. It's entitled The Batman Affair, um, Chapter One, Death Traps and Layers. Uh, writer is Jeff Parker. Penciler is David Hamm. Inkers, Carl Kessel. Colors by Mad Pencil. Letters by Wes Abbott. Cover by Michael and Laura Allard. Assistant editor is David Pina, and group editor is Jim Chadwick. All right, so the cover for this uh, shows Batman swinging on a rope, and you can definitely tell this is the Adam West era Batman. And then we kind of see a silhouette of uh, Napoleon Solo pointing a gun. And behind them both, we see the Uncle Globe logo. And then within the globe, you can see the outline of a bat. So it's kind of a cross between the Uncle and Batman logos. And then uh, behind all of this, uh, you can see that it's just like a flat yellow and black uh, background. The story starts off with two goons of Olga, Queen of the Cossacks, and they are taken out in the sewers by Napoleon Solo. Solo then contacts Channel D to inform her that he is going to a party 
uh, based on an invitation he found within one of the downed men. We are then given a brief page explaining who Solo, Kuriakin, and Batman are, just in case you happen to be a fan of one franchise and not the other. We pick up the story again just outside of Gotham, where Batman and Robin are chasing the Penguin within the Batmobile. The Batmobile chases the Penguin's car into a tunnel where the Great Bird of Gotham has laid a trap. Sound waves bombard the dynamic duo and they are soon knocked out. Elsewhere in Belgium, Solo has found himself in the secret meeting of the secret organization called Thrush, which is on a boat just offshore. Solo and a young woman start to chat. She seems to know nothing of the evil actions that Thrush has been involved in. The leader of Thrush then makes an appearance and is none other than Olga. Olga takes to the stage, but then when she glances through the audience, she notices Solo and calls him out as being a man from Uncle. A fight ensues, and Solo leaps from the boat towards the ocean below. And thus ends the first digital issue. Cool. Cool. I like the, uh, a lot of the animation. Or the, the, the artwork. No. I like the artwork. It's very cool. I especially think they did a great job with uh, the Batmobile. Right. It's, uh, I, I like that Batmobile. Yeah. And it even has lens flares. Did you notice that? I did not. When, so when did... during the chase with the Penguin, there's a particular part after the Batman used the parachutes to slow him down so they could turn around real fast. Right. And uh, at first it was like, it caught my eye. and I was like, what are they doing? There? It's like, oh my God, that's a lens flare <laughs> on a comic book. So uh, do you see that? Yeah, I see it now. Uh, and it's like, oh, cool. J.J. would be quite <laughs> proud. Yes, he would. Anyway, that, I no, thought that's that was funny. Good. Now, I didn't go into it a lot, but there was a little bit of a, a car chase scene there where Penguin used, like, gas to try to smoke him out and get away and things like right. that. But luckily, Batman had the, had the bat radar or bat sonar, sonar that was right. able to see through all the smoke and keep the chase going. Right. So, do you think they're kind of downplaying maybe some of the campy stuff from the 66 Batman? I mean, there's a little bit there, but I could I think they could have gone a little bit further with Oh, with yeah. some of the holy smoke screens and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least he, at least Robin did say holy smoke screen. Right. Yeah, like but, I said, they had a little yeah. bit, but they didn't, you know, they didn't crank it up to 11 like they could have. Yeah, which quite frankly is fine with me. I mean, I, yeah. I know I know the campiness is definitely part of what made that series what it was, mm-hmm. but I you know, I just like I like series that take themselves a little more seriously, right? Myself, yeah. but one hundred percent agree with you, and and that's kind of my point. I thought they did a good job of you know it's there, but they're not going overboard, which would have killed the seriousness seriousness of like a a James Bond type series, which is what uh, Man from Uncle was originally supposed to be, right? Yeah, but yeah, it was good. I, I I thought this was a good little introduction to Man from Uncle for me because I'd seen the the Henry Cavill movie, but I haven't seen a ton of the old TV shows. So I, I knew what it was, but I never followed it like you did. Right? Yeah. Well, I saw the reruns. Like, but I mean, you know, I was around <laughs> there when it was going on. 
but I, I did see a lot of the reruns as they happened, right. uh, first gen reruns, and uh, I just really love I I love the James Bond stuff, and I love this, and um, as per usual, you know I I'm kind of a weapons fan, so I just loved the uh, the guns the man from Uncle used, uh, uh, you know cool pistols, um, Walther P38s that had the the barrel sawed off and then like extra extensions added and shoulder rests added and and scopes added to make it all look really cool and stuff and extended clips and all that kind of stuff. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. Uh, mm. I love the toy. I had the toy of that. I used to play with those things all the time. Yeah, um, very cool stuff. They show them here. Although I got to mention the first time you actually see one of the man from uncle guns well in the story itself they do show it like in the in the in the very beginning the title uh and the cover and things like that right but the first time you see it you see that solo only has the the pistol but then he's got the rifle extension on it the rifle extension slash silencer on it and i had never seen it used in that combination before usually They've got the uh, P-38 pistol, and then it's got a little snubby um, silencer at the end of it. Right. Which really, physically, in reality, I don't think a silencer that size would ever do much, but it looked cool. <laughs> so instead of having the snubby silencer, they got the whole rifle extension. It was like, so you that would have ruined the line of your suit, man. Um, <laughs> but ah, it's like, okay, well, fine. So I just, I just thought I'd mention that a little bit. Right. They're very accurate in, what, in how they're, they're drawing them, and they do add those extra bit, bits in, which is very cool. But, eh, I don't know, just a little off the first time we see Solo using it. And by the way, he was a little cold-blooded killing those guys. But I got to say, I mean, they were going to kill him, so. Yeah, I was going to ask you if they had to kind of shy away from the violence back in the old show where maybe they were knocking them out. But, but you're saying they actually shot him and killed him. Oh, they actually shot people in the show, yeah. Oh, okay. But, but, but this was kind of like, I don't know, I, it just struck me as a bit cold-blooded, more cold-blooded than the TV show normally was. But. Right. So basically they're running around in the sewer and Solo flips on a light to blind them because mm-hmm. right, they're in the dark sewer. Yep. And then he just shoots them. Yep. And takes them, their cards. Yep. Yeah, there's no <laughs> wing going on. He, he's <laughs> shot to kill. Yeah, he he didn't shoot the rifle out of their hands or anything, or the pistol. Well, he's not the like rifleman. The, like the Cisco kid or something. Right. Yeah, which also happened in the 60s. But no, he just shot him. He shot him real good. So was that was that a hint that you want to do some of the rifleman and Cisco ah! comics? <laughs> I maybe maybe we're just we're still working on the on the full list. So. All right. Anyway, so being a, a you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not saying you're an expert of Man from Uncle, but you watched it and, and you're familiar with it, and I'm only know of it from passing. Um, I I've heard that Man from Uncle was was written or or somehow uh, made by Ian Fleming, who who also wrote the James Bond novels. Is that something that you're familiar with? I I am I am completely not familiar with that. Okay, so. Uh, Tell me about it. Well, the only thing I know is that uh, he Ian Fleming had something to do with it, and at one time it was going to ha- say Ian Fleming's something. Uh, I think they were just going to call it Solo at the time, but mm-hmm. then uh, eventually they changed the name to just Man from Uncle. 
So to me, I always thought that Ian Fleming actually had something heavy to do with it. But but not being a huge fan, I, I'm not that familiar. I was completely not aware that Ian Fleming had anything to do with that show. Now, um, I've had definitely MGM um, was doing all the Bond movies at the very least, like in the 70s and stuff. And maybe they were the original people that had that did the original films. Right. The, the, the James Bond or the, uh, yeah, the Dr. Sean Connery. The Sean Connery ones. Um, but they definitely did. I mean, they came to own it. Definitely MGM. Um, and definitely MGM did Man From U.N.C.L.E. Oh, did they? Yes. MGM did Man From U.N.C.L.E. I think they used to say like MGM Arena or something like that is the uh, the company that produced it. I don't know. Maybe it was a subsidiary of MGM. I, I don't quite know. But uh, what they used to do, and this is something I didn't know until later when I was reading about the, uh, the TV show, they would produce the TV show in, uh, for playing weekly in the States, normal kind of thing. But then they would purposely produce those TV episodes so they could be edited together, and they would uh, basically sell them as standalone movies uh, overseas. Okay. So um, you can't really – and what's cool about it is uh, – and I think it's something you had mentioned to me in the past – is when you watch the movie, it's very seamless. Um, right. It's not like – it's like, oh, this is where they broke and had the, te- you know, the, the second episode or the third episode. No. It's, it's a very nice little um, movie. And, and sometimes the movies had more in them, more footage in them than the TV shows also. Kind of pad it out a little bit. Well, to pad it out or just you know, you know, give give more information to the story. Uh, I, I maybe some of it was padding at times, but I I they were just different things being filmed in a certain way that they could be used for both purposes for both uh, audiences for both markets. And I thought that was a very interesting early way of really smartly getting your money out of your production. <laughs> so. Right. Well, I don't know which company made the Amazing Spider-Man TV show yeah. uh, from the 70s. Right. But they did kind of a similar thing uh, after the series was – because it only ran like 15 episodes. Right. But after the series was over, they um, they shot new footage to kind of be a bridge in between one episode and the other. And they they basically turned them into movies. Oh, right? so they know that. They packaged two different mo- two different episodes, which had nothing to do with each other. Filmed in like a little filler, you know, usually with Peter Parker and the secretary or maybe sometimes J. Jonah Jameson to kind of like transition from like, oh, boy, we had a good adventure on that one. But, oh, no, look what's coming up now. You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but I I didn't know that uh, Man from Uncle did that, too. Yeah. In order to sell it as a theatrical film somewhere else. Yep. Interesting. Yes. All right. Well, that's a little side note on on. uh, Man from Uncle. I guess we should get back to the comic book. Right. Let me just mention one more thing, though. Um, Robin and Batman, they're talking about Arkham Asylum in the issue. Arkham Institute. Well, yeah, you're right. Institute. I guess it hasn't become an asylum yet. Or no. Well, okay, they're calling it something different, but it's, well, whatever. It's, it's Arkham Asylum. Right. But I don't remember Arkham ever being brought up in the 1960s TV show, was it? And I it just was, don't remember? It was not. Okay, okay. Now, they just always went to jail, like Gotham Jail or whatever. Exactly, exactly. So I think it's really interesting how, as you're going through this, 
and I know we'll be I know I had comments like this is to see where they're introducing new things that might have never been in either TV show. Okay. But has yeah. happened since. Or were right. just elements of the comic books that, you know, they just never brought up in the TV show. Right. So this this Batman 66 series uh has been going on for a couple of years now. Yeah. Uh, and you know, they they basically continued it as if this was the fourth season of the show. Mhm. And they did start introducing, you know, what would a 60s version of Bane be? What would a 60s version of Harley Quinn, which those two characters didn't exist until the 90s. Right. Um, which which have been, has been really good because it, you know, again, gives them that little campy feel for a character that you know, is, you know especially with Bane, is a very serious character yeah. uh, in the current time. Right. And I guess they've introduced Arkham Asylum, but gave it the 60s spin by calling it the Arkham Institute or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, this is not the first time the Batman sixty six has crossed over with uh, other comic books uh, in little mini series. They did a uh, Green Hornet where they tied into the original Green Hornet uh, TV show, and they're coming out with a Avengers crossover, the Batman sixty six versus the uh, Avengers, which is not the Marvel Avengers, but or meets whatever they're going to call it. Cool. But meets up with uh, Emma Peel and... Uh, John Steed. John Steed. Cool. Originally. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's going to start as soon as this uh, Man from Uncle miniseries is over. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, we're doing that one, baby. We'll do that one then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I loved anything having to do with spy stuff and adventure kind of stuff. And I love that, uh, The Avengers, a really great British TV series. Yeah, which did not have a good outing in theatrical form. The reboot. Oh, with Sean Connery. <laughs> wait, Sean Connery. Wait, wait a minute. Yes, yeah, uh, Sean Connery was the weather wizard or whatever he was, the main bad guy in the movie, which totally derailed the whole film. I thought. Wait, are we talking about? Oh, uh, the Avengers movie. Yeah, with uh, with yeah, Emma, it was Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, no, he Ralph was Fiennes. In it. Ralph Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes and um, and then uh, yeah, what is her name? Uma Thurman. That's it. Yes, and the bad guy was Sean Connery, and it was I horrible. did not remember that. So I, I saw that movie once, and it was bad. I was so disappointed. It was I thought bad. Ray Fiennes nailed it. I thought he was perfect. Uma Thurman was okay, and then Sean Connery just tanked it. And I, ah. was, <laughs> and I was so disappointed. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, back to the, let, let's get back to this, uh, to the next issue. What do you think? Yeah. So, uh, well, let's go. One other thing I wanted to ask you about the thrush and maybe we can talk more about it in in the other issues sure so thrush is the main organization that uncle fights yep and does i like specter okay in the, in the bond franchise but called thrush yeah okay all right because because before we started this i wanted to get a little refresh on on uh, man from uncle and i watched the pilot movie yeah not the, the pilot pilot but the one that was beefed up to a theatrical film okay yeah and they kept they calling were, it wasp and I was wondering, is was it originally Wasp, or is Wasp and Thrush two different things? No, they, maybe you don't know the answer. Uh, I, I'm a little fuzzy on that. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure they settled into Thrush. Okay, okay. Uh, so it's probably the same Thrush, one. Thrush is the one I remember. Okay, okay. Well, because, because I'm not that familiar with it, when I was reading this, I was like, oh, could they not use Wasp from the TV show? So they had to make, make one up that kind of sounded the same. No. Okay. Thrush was right, bad guys. Thrush was the main bad guys. Okay, good. <clears throat> okay, yeah, all right. So you ready to go to the next one now? Let's do it. All right, so the uh, the next one 
issue two, the digital, which is just the second half of issue one in the print form. Uh, cover is the same. So the story starts off with Napoleon jumping out of the ship, but instead of hitting the water, he instead lands into a speedboat piloted by Mr. Kiriakin, who is Solo's partner within Uncle. The two try to speed away, but Olga is also in a smaller boat, but this one has a huge cannon on front. So she fires a few times, but misses. However, when the men from Uncle pass under a bridge, they're caught in a net trap and are capsized out of the boat. Meanwhile, in Gotham, Batman and Robin wake to find themselves in a cave full of TNT. The penguin is about to blow them sky high. Back in Belgium, Olga has the spies tied to a table. Solo tries to romance her with some sweet words, which has no effect on the cold-hearted woman. Kiriakin then speaks in his native tongue Russian and tells her that he's actually a double agent. Wanting to hear more, Olga releases him. Back in Gotham, the Penguin and his minion go to the Batmobile to try to escape and set off the explosives. Some alarm is triggered that causes the Batmobile to go inactive and will not start. Knowing that he cannot escape the blast, because he's also in the cave where Batman is, the Penguin goes ahead and tries to set off the dynamite anyways, sacrificing himself, but for the greater good of criminal kind. However, there is no explosion, no matter how many times he pulls on the lever. Batman then walks up and knocks on the window, having escaped his ropes and defused the bombs. Meanwhile, as Olga and Kiriakin are about to go into another room, Kiriakin uses the guys as being a double agent to smack Solo around a few times, including boxing him on both of his ears. As the Russians are about to leave, Kiriakin presses a button on his watch. Sound waves emit from the watch and knocks everyone out except for Solo and Kiriakin. It seems that the Russian man from Uncle planted earplugs during his fake attack on his friend. The two make their escape. Later, Batman returns Penguin to the Arkham Institute and learns that many of his other greatest foes have escaped. To be continued. Mm-hmm. Well, so uh, at the end where we see behind the Doctor, Dr. Hugo, and Batman in the last page, you see some of the enemies kind of like looking down on them. They're not really there, but they're kind of like the specter of the bad guys that got away are hanging over the two of them. Right. And uh, interesting, uh, we're able to see how the artists are depicting uh, the villains. And uh, I see uh, Vincent Price's egghead. Right. So he, he looks like Vincent Price, or close enough anyway. You get the idea. So right. that looks very much right out of the series. Uh, we see uh, Dr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze. Um, and he looks kind of like he's in a, in a space outfit. Right. Um, which, which, which he kind of wore something like that in the TV series, but I think it's a little different. But, you know, but he – I forgot the name of the actor. It kind of looks like like at least the first actor that I associated with it, uh, and then I guess they had a second one, right? During the sixty six TV series, but so that was so that's cool. Um, but I gotta say, uh, the Scarecrow. I don't remember Scarecrow ever being in the TV series, uh, sixty six TV series. Maybe he was. Um, no, he never I, was. Okay, okay, fine. Um, and then they got Poison Ivy. 
So looking pretty hot, but I don't remember her ever being in the TV series. She was not. Okay. Um, there's, there's, uh, and then there's two other people that I have no idea who they are. So I did a little research, or I didn't, didn't do research. I, I just read further in the book, and eventually <laughs> I found out that the nice-looking brunette lady is Siren. Never heard of her. Don't know who she is. Um, right. But she was in the TV series? Yeah, she was in two episodes of the show. Okay. Um, and she was portrayed by Joan Collins. That's amazing. Joan Collins, one of my favorite actresses, mainly from my my first or second favorite episode of Star Trek, Sitting on the Edge of Forever. One, what a wonderful actress. Mm-hmm. Um, so she she doesn't look like Joan Collins, the way they got her drawn. But she is a brunette, so I guess close enough. Right. And then the last guy is some guy with uh, with a furry looking, almost like uh, like Rulabula kind of, you know, whatever kind of uh, fur coat on. And he's got these, these really skinny little uh, rectangular sunglasses on. No idea who that guy is. Who is he? That is the Sandman. The Sandman. Okay. Never heard of him. He was also in a few episodes of the original show. Okay, I just uh, don't remember him. And portrayed by an actor named Michael Rennie. Oh, Michael Rennie, right. Okay, and you, so. And you know who Michael Rennie is? Yes. Uh, he was, he's a great movie actor, actually. Uh, and in the 50s, he starred uh, in uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still. One of my okay. f- wonderful movie. Love that movie. A great classic science fiction movie uh, with Gort the Robot and that kind of stuff. So. Very and now that you mention that, I kind of sort of remember him maybe doing a guest starring gig on there. He definitely guest starred on Man from Uncle. Uh, oh, really? Yes, Michael Rennie. <laughs> yes, um, I, I don't remember exactly what his what, what the actor or what the character was. It, it, Man from Uncle tended to have more realistic people, right? You know, because they were spies. You know, so you know there'd be new, you know, guest starring actors you knew that every episode that usually ended up being the bad guy but they were some kind of a spy so you're right. really not crazy and this whole olga you know uh the queen of the cossacks yeah you know i kind of you know she probably did exist in, she, in, she was in, in the batman she's from batman actually oh is she okay yeah, she was in the episodes with uh egghead they were uh they were a, a couple Oh, 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 okay, good. Which, which is funny because they have not mentioned that in in the stories that I've, as far as where I've gotten, yeah, uh, in this story they have not mentioned that they were in the same episodes together back with uh, Mister Freeze and um, I don't remember who played Olga in the old show. It okay. was somebody pretty famous. Okay, okay. Well, as with everybody, everybody in the Batman shows were always famous, right? Uh, cool. Just okay. real quick, uh, Otto. Preminger was oh, Preminger. Mr. Freeze. Otto Preminger, who I think Mr. is a director or something. Oh, is he? How interesting. Otto Preminger. Hm. So he was the Mr. Freeze that you were talking about earlier. Okay, cool. Let me just mention that Queen Olga's uh, cannon on the front of the boat during the, during the, the chase, the boat right. chase, mm-hmm. it looks like a huge paint gun. I mean, the, the, the barrel and, and that part of it looks like a realistic gun, but then there's this really tall, clear plastic um, tube which is feeding red balls into the cannon. And it looks like a, a huge paintball gun to oh, me, okay. which is kind of, but uh, it, no, it it's, blowing, like a, it's blowing stuff up. So yeah, it looked like a real cannon, not like a machine gun, which is what I would think 
of us being on top of a, 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 a speedboat like that. Yeah. Because, I mean, it'd be pretty hard to load a cannon while the boat's in motion. Well, and that's why they got this plastic feeder going into it, I guess. But what it's feeding is it looks like huge paintballs. But obviously it's explosives. But Right. All right. And, and then in the comic book – or not the comic book. In the old TV show, uh, Olga was played by Ann Baxter, if you happen to know who she is. The, the name sounds familiar. I'm sure yeah. she was a, a 50s, 40s a TV right. actress or 60s TV actress. Oh, okay. But anyways, yeah, so uh, again, not being a huge – huge fan of man from uncle aside from them keep talking about thrush uh, they're not really introducing any ongoing villains did did man from uncle have any villains that reoccurred or was it always just like the general from thrush that happened to be on this week's episode kind of thing it was mostly uh just the general from thrush <laughs> now, okay. that they, i don't remember a recurring bad guy but it's very possible there might have been one okay. um but again they they weren't comic they weren't comic booky villains they were right so know, they probably died at the end <laughs> well they yeah they died at the end or they just you know moved on with different actors and stuff right so well i mean i'm just saying with napoleon shooting those two guys at the beginning well uh, I, I, um there were i don't think they made a habit of like shooting people all the time but they didn't i mean they shot people right um they just didn't show blood really and they, um, you know, they, they didn't always shoot people. Right. I did watch, um, like I said, just watched that one episode. And uh, I forgot the actor's name that played uh, Dr. Daystrom in the episode of Star Trek. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He was, he, you know, spoiler, he was the, he was the bad guy and working for Wasp in that episode. Exactly. So he was like the leader of a nation. Uh, an African oh, you, nation. You remember the actual episode? Wow. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, but he was working for Thrush on the side. Yes, he was, and it was his. Oh, I'm sorry, Wasp back then. Yeah, his general didn't know it, and I think there there were at least two main actors that had speaking lines. The the right the uh, the leader of the nation, the king, whatever, and the, or the premier, whatever, and then like his general or something, and the general didn't know anything about it. And maybe there was a third guy. I don't know, but I, I just dug having. That's a, a good point. Movies. I didn't. I did not recognize that. Yeah. Well, in the '60s, a lot of the TV shows there was a most TV shows like this had a constant stream of guest star guest stars in every episode, like Yvonne Craig, who is the lovely Batgirl. I mean, she was popping up everywhere. You know, all these different uh, TV shows she would pop up on, and sometimes Elvis Presley movies. Oh yeah. Oh really? I didn't know. Kissing that. cousins. She was uh she was the one cousin? of the she was one of the cousins. Very anyway. <laughs> it was she was quite attractive in that film. Well, anyway. I am going to try to find the uh the Man from Uncle episode where William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy oh! both, both guest star in the Yes, they were. Yeah, and Leonard Nimoy was really it was kind of a a bit part kind of thing. It wasn't a big part. Uh, yeah, so William Shatner actually played um, like a con man kind of thing. So he and his his partner girlfriend um, were like doing some kind of a, a con thing. And then that activity overlapped with uh, the man from Uncle's uh, mission. 
and they were able to use uh, Shatner and his girlfriend against the uh, Thresh people. And at the end, uh, William Shatner was already almost like, hey, you know, this is pretty fun stuff. You know, maybe we could keep on, uh, you know, doing stuff, uh, fighting crime, whatever. And uh, and then his girlfriend said, no, you're not. And then la, la, la. That was the end of the episode. <laughs> and then really all Leonard Nimoy was was kind of like a, a thug. That, uh, worked, too bad. that worked for the bad guys. He, he wasn't even the main thug. He wasn't the main bad guy. He was like a... Like oh, I man, you're you're totally dashing my illusions of what the, how great this episode was going to be. Well, it was an okay episode. I was like, oh, it's going to be Spock and McCoy back, or Spock and Kirk before they were Spock and Kirk. Exactly, exactly. I I wanted to ask you one question about this comic. Uh, yeah. Since we kind of talked about the artwork, especially that last page, um, how do you think they're depicting Solo and um, Kira? Kiriakin. Do you think they look like the actors? Because um, some maybe not so much. Eh, they're okay. Um, I, I think... Okay, so I was going to... Okay, so here... I think as far as uh, Batman, I think in a lot of cases, they're able to draw um, Adam West you know, fairly well. The part that you see, like his jawline and things like that, you, mm-hmm. can, you can pretty much tell that's Adam West in most most panels that's adam west in the batman outfit and looks pretty good um as far as kiriakin and solo are concerned um i think it kind of looks like david mccallum but not so much i mean you can tell it's david mccallum but it's really not that close and david mccallum plays kiriakin right exactly okay and by the way he's also uh in ncis he's the the older forensics doctor or whatever Oh, really? Did you ever see NCIS? No, never. Okay, well, it's a pretty good show. I, I don't watch it religiously or anything like that. I've just seen, like, maybe maybe five episodes. But he's, yeah, he, he's like the older doctor kind of thing. Okay. And, um, and he's really good. Anyway, uh, I, don't think, I don't think it's that accurate. No, and, he has the hair. Yeah. That was about it. Yeah, and there are a few things where, you know, kind of the jawline, kind of. But the artist, or artists, is there more than one or just one? Uh, anyway, um, they tend to draw people with their lips pursed. Uh, so there's a lot of things where both Kiriakin and Solo have their like like lips kind of sticking out in an odd way. They're blowing what, the reader's kisses. Well, kind of like that. Kind of like that. And that's not at, it, it's their it's their art style. So David Hahn, I guess. So fine, it's a style, but that's not very accurate. Sure. Okay, I'm gonna stop talking. That's my opinion. What's your opinion? Um, I, I kind of wondered if they, if it was like a rights thing to the actual actors. I mean, even Burt Ward, who plays Robin, this Robin, you know, you, he's wearing the costume and he kind of looks like the same style as Burt Ward's Robin, but he doesn't right. really look like Burt Ward. Yeah. And I didn't think that uh, Solo really looked like Solo at all. Yeah. Aside yeah. from the hair. Yeah, and there's some parts in the next issue, especially where um, <clears throat> where it's Bruce Wayne uh, in the scenes. Uh, at the beginning of the next issue, I was confused and thought, uh, at least I think it's the next issue. Maybe it's the first mm-hmm. issue. It's, I think it's the next one. Okay, where there, where you actually see uh, Bruce Wayne. And at first, I thought it was Solo. They looked a little alike. They yeah. look alike or similar. It's close enough, anyway. And then I'm reading, it's oh, oh, that's Bruce Wayne. Okay, fine. Uh, but it was kind of like, you know, yeah, I agree. It's not, 
I like the artwork, but not very true to the original actors. Right. Which doesn't take me out of the story at all. No, I just know. Because it says based on a TV show, which is the whole premise of our of our new podcast that yeah, I exactly. wanted to bring it up. Exactly. There you go. Cool. Uh, I, I like how um, finally in the first page of this issue, you see Solo holding the proper uh, pistol. It's an okay. E38. It's a sawed-off barrel, and he's got this the little silencer, the, the stubby silencer. On. Oh, is that what that is? That's a silencer, <laughs> which is perfect from a concealability standpoint. Very small. You know, don't have a long barrel sticking out. Perfect, but uh, yeah, how effective could that tiny little silencer be? Anyway, but that's okay. That's fine. Whatever. It is. It's TV. like, yeah, <laughs> it, it is TV. So it's kind of like when uh, James West pulls out uh, a fake heel and then has plastic explosive that he's able to get out of the prison with. It's like they didn't have plastic plastic explosive back in the eighteen hundreds. That's fine. You can just go with it. Or the old bat shield that comes out of the oh, back of Batman's thin air. utility belt somehow. Oh well, and and what about the way the way Batman and Robin were able to get <laughs> out of being blown up? At least oh, possibly, here in in the previous issue, or was it this? No, issue? it was this one. Yeah, they just yeah <clears throat> wiggle themselves out. Yeah, but he's he's got voice control on the Batmobile, so. I mean, you know how well Siri works today or, you know, umpteen different uh, things that allow you to uh, interact with your computers or whether with your voice and how inaccurate that is. And look at how much technology we have. So back in the 60s, uh, Batman was able to voice control the Batmobile. It's like, I don't think so. Yeah, you know what? I missed that when I was doing a synopsis. Yeah, I, I I thought that he just set off the alarm. I didn't realize. I didn't catch that he's saying enacting voice control with the Batmobile. Yeah. Heck, <laughs> <laughs> did you see that? Because it's like Siri, um, <laughs> Batmobile, lock lock the Batmobile and uh, disable all controls. You know, it's it's like the Batmobile coming back. I don't understand what you said. But here's a list of pizza parlors that are close. <laughs> right. It's like, I don't think it would have worked that good. Anyway, whatever. Good point. Okay. So my last comment on this issue was Penguin's willingness to sacrifice himself. Yeah. Very out of character for the Burgess Meredith uh, Penguin. Right. I can't see that, that, that version of the Penguin destroying himself willingly well didn't just he all, to take out batman didn't he also tell his uh his henchman you know as soon as i set this off you know drive yeah but then when the car wouldn't get start, out of there yeah but then the car oh. wouldn't start and he's like well i'd do it anyways yeah i think you're, oh okay i didn't get that yeah, yeah you're right you're right you know burgess meredith he would not have would not have done that <laughs> but i like that <laughs> i like that idea i mean the, the thought that he would be willing to do it just to, for all the other rogues to. Well, but maybe this, maybe it's because he's part of Thrush now. I mean, maybe I don't know. I haven't, don't know yet who got him out of Arkham and and all the other people. But uh, maybe he's part of Thrush and he's doing it because he was ordered to do it. Yeah, regardless of his own life. We don't know he's part of Thrush yet. You don't know, but that's just it. I mean, maybe I'm reading into it, but uh, maybe <laughs> he wasn't doing it just for his own. Uh, self-sacrificing needs right 
interesting. I, I thought it was an interesting uh, move. Yeah. Liked it. Okay, my last comment on this one is, you know, before we were talking about villains that I didn't remember being in the TV series or whatever, uh, Dr. Hugo. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Hugo is, um, I don't remember, well, I don't remember Arkham Asylum either, and it wasn't in the TV series. So, but they're bringing Arkham into it. Um, there was a doctor in Arkham, doc, and that was Dr. Hugo Strange. So is this the same guy, or is it just the name is close? It's the same guy. Ah, but he yeah. was never in the show. Right, right. He's in Gotham though, so yeah. I'm seeing him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He, there you go. Yeah, I think the the character Hugo Strange came out after. I think he started in the '70s, but okay. he's a fantastic character in the in the Batman comics because he right. he's like one of the only people who's actually been able to figure out that Bruce Wayne's Batman. Oh, really? Just by like. You know, deductive reasoning, deductive reasoning. And you're like, you're, you're not even a detective and you figured it out. And, but nobody else can. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have never read a story a comic book with. Hugo Strange, but I am I'm enjoying the character so far in Gotham this season. Yeah, I haven't seen any episodes he's in yet, so I'm looking forward to yep. starting that back up. And uh, in the series so far. He seems to be – his methods seem a little extreme, but mm-hmm. he seems to be a good guy, sort of. He supposedly cured the penguin so far from uh, being a, a nasty, violent person. But mm. uh, maybe something's going on that hasn't been unfolded yet in the, uh, in the show, in the Gotham show. Mm. Anyway, so he looks pretty much like a wimp here, though. Um, yeah, he does. Yeah, <laughs> they got away, Batman. <laughs> and actually, I was wrong. Batman, uh, Hugo Strange was—he mu- came out much earlier than I thought. Oh, he, he was actually created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane, who oh created Batman. So oh, okay, he's been around since the beginning. I didn't know that. Huh. Okay, interesting. Uh, but he was never in the TV series, to the best. Never one. in the show. No. Nope. Okay. Okay. There you go. Okay, that's the last thing I have to say about this one. All right, let's move on to three, which is. Issue number two of the printed versions. Cool. Okay, so I'm doing this one. This one, so number three of the digital is The Batman Affair, Chapter 3, Villains in a Rush. Uh, The creative people, I believe, are all the same. The cover features Adam West, the Adam West version of Batman in the center, flanked by uh, the Robert Vaughn and David McCallum versions of Napoleon Solo and Ilya Kuryakin. Uh, The ever-cool Man from Uncle World Globe logo is behind them. The Batman 66 logo is at the top, along with the words, or the word meat. Then, another group of words that says, the Man from Uncle. So it's kind of like, the Batman logo, Batman 66 logo, meets, then the Man from Uncle, and of course the Man from Uncle text is in the cruel uh, font of the TV show. At Gotham headquarters, Commissioner Gordon is freaking out over the mass breakout at Arkham Institute. So many villains escape at the same time. Chief O'Hara tries to calm the commissioner down by pointing out the Joker did not break out, and Batman caught the Penguin already. Robin tries to calm down Dr. Dr. Hugo, who was palpitating over his patients escaping. Meanwhile, Batman is interrogating the Penguin, who is not talking so far. Quack, quack, quack. 
Batman loosens Penguin's tongue by pointing out that he was played for a sucker. The real brains behind the jailbreak used Penguin as a diversion, while he broke the villains out that he really wanted out of Arkham. Penguin falls for it, saying that he will tell all as long as Batman promises to catch that faceless fraud. Meanwhile, in New York City, Solo and Kuriakin enter Uncle HQ via the agent's entrance through Del Flora's tailor shop. As they enter, they find out they will be part of an informational video for the member nations of Uncle. They film it as both agents and their boss takes their turn. My name is Napoleon Solo. I'm an enforcement agent, Section 2, here. That's operations and enforcement. Kuriakin. I am Ilya Kuriakin. I am also an, an enforcement agent. Like my friend Napoleon, I go and do whatever I am told to do by our chief. Oh, yes. Alexander Waverley, number one, section one. In charge of this, our New York headquarters. It's from here that I send these young men on their various missions. They end filming their short message. Waverly gets right to business. He describes their failed attempt to capture Lady Olga in a dismissive way as uh, their escapade. Solo points out they stopped Thrush from securing funding from these, those potential investors. Waverly points out they let her get away. Radio surveillance on Lady Olga overheard her being given a status on an uprising at Arkham Institute in Gotham City. Waverly briefs them on six dangerous villains that escaped and the legally sanctioned vigilante called Batman, who knows the escapees better than anyone. Solo says a chat with that Batman fellow should be most helpful. Waverly goes on to say they suspect that Gotham millionaire Bruce Wayne is their leading suspect. Thrush has been recruiting the wealthy and influential, and Wayne fits that profile. Pictures of the Riddler and Joker are displayed as Waverly makes a rather thin and circumstantial case for their suspicions of Bruce Wayne. Waverly says all three of them will be attending a formal function at Wayne Manor, where Wayne will be celebrating his new venture into aerospace. They will be showing off an advanced communications satellite to investors. Waverly will use his in with Wayne's butler, one Alfred Pennyworth. Meanwhile, a nondescript van is being driven by a lovely lady in sunglasses onto what looks like an abandoned airfield. The passengers are the six escaped villains. Once inside the gate, they exit the van next to several planes and begin to complain about their mysterious benefactor. What will they want in return? Sandman is quick to say he takes orders from no one. Right on cue, they begin to descend into the ground on a round, grass-covered platform. The platform stops in a large underground room that is pitch black except for the spotlight shining down on them from the hole in the surface. A bodiless voice congratulates them on their escape. It says he knows all of their psyches. He knows they are just waiting for a chance to betray him, but they will not get that chance. He says he is offering them high-ranking positions in a rapidly growing organization dedicated to global rule. As of today, you are all members of Thresh. To be continued. So I have a question. Yes. 
what was the point of the the little video that they recorded? Nah. <laughs> okay. At the beginning, okay, you saw the movie, the right. pilot movie, but you have not seen the TV episodes yet in for in season one, right? Not not that I. I mean, I've never watched it all the way through. I've seen okay. bits and pieces of them. Okay. Well, in the early episodes, that is word for word exactly what they have in the TV show. So they actually do introduce themselves in kind of a, you know, what what is that called? It's kind of like a Deadpool-esque kind of speaking to the audience kind of thing. And they never explain that in the TV show. They just have this little thing in the beginning where they introduce themselves and that they're members of Uncle and they go off and and all these – and Waverly is their boss. So – and it is word for word exactly what they do. Oh, that's funny. And what they're actually doing, like Kiriakin messing with the gun while he does his thing, that's what Kiriakin does in the TV show. So they are word for word doing the TV show. Uh, right. Yeah. So, so here kind of they spell- are explaining why you, the viewer, got to see that in, in the episodes is because here they're filming it. Here they're explaining why they filmed it. Exactly. So bravo for the comic book that they're at least explaining – Oh, it's something they're doing for the member nations of uh, of Uncle. So the different oh. nations that contribute agents and that kind of stuff. All right, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah, that that is kind of cool because it makes no sense in the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, thanks, characters that aren't supposed to know we're here uh, <laughs> for explaining what you are. I mean, it's they don't have a Gilligan's Island theme song that tell, gives you the setup. Um, right. So they do it this way. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And that's why I I attempted to try to do the voices. Uh, uh, oh, well. Yeah, no, I thought you were doing Whether a great job. And I was, like, I was like, wow, he, he's really taking this seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't well, know that yeah, that was, was exactly was, from the old show. It was exactly from the old show, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like when I used to read the uh, Quantum Leap comic books. There was oh. a few, few of them that actually started off with, you know – that little opening where like right. Sam Beckett le- steps into the quantum right. leap accelerator right. and vanishes. And it's like word for word. And I'm just like, I can hear that woman's voice while I'm reading it. And and I'm like, of course that's how you start off a quantum leap story. It's not quantum leap. If it doesn't start off that way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's hilarious. Yeah. So quantum leap was in the eighties, right? So it wouldn't qualify for oh, our sixties. Unfortunately, thing. I love that show. Well, maybe once we finally finish off all the 60s stuff, oh my God, we can no. move into the 80s. Oh, my God. This is <laughs> going to go on forever. Anyway. Yeah. Um, you got to love Archer um, in his early days. No. Right. Okay. So uh, Batman's villains teaming up with Thrush. That makes so much sense. And now, obviously, we're going to have uh, the good guys teaming up, too, eventually, to meet the threat. This is great. Yeah, but this is kind of like one of those uh, Lois Lane, Superman, Clark Kent type things. So so here, Uncle wants to partner with Bruce Wayne. I mean, they want to partner with Batman, but they think Bruce Wayne is the villain. Yes. And I thought that was great. I was like, oh, this is just perfect. That, uh... <laughs> well, they don't have a lot of good reason. I, I, I don't think Waverly made a good case at all. <laughs> I don't know. And then I liked the uh, Waverly and Alfred angle. I thought that was actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, It's a small world, isn't it? Because I always like the version of Alfred where he's 
you know, he has this military background, which right. the original Alfred in the old comic books did. But then in the 60s and a little bit in the 50s, but really with the 60s, they kind of veered away from that. And he suddenly became just just the butler who happens to be exactly. the one that, uh, you know, spools up all the batterings or whatever. Sure. You know? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, he helps out somebody once has in a while. He, he helps out once in a while, but really he's just a butler. Right. But I like now with Gotham and with the new Batman vs. Superman movie where they're leaning more towards, uh, you know, Alfred is a, a very competent player in the uh, in the doings of Batman. Right. And I haven't seen the movie yet. You have. But um, he's actually not the butler. He's the he's he's a bodyguard. Is that right? Uh, well, right. Yeah. OK. So that's a bit of a, a difference take on him well in the new the new 52 rebooted uh version of dc comics that that's that's what alfred is now oh really i didn't know that yeah okay okay yeah he was uh thomas wayne's security when thomas wayne dies and uh he's given guardianship of bruce yeah well good job there alfred well you got to read the comics there was other things at play uh i bet okay (laughs) So, um, this this issue, a lot of good setup, I thought, and, and a lot of explanation as to the man from Uncle. I personally needed all that little exposition to really fine tune who the players were. Right. Because the movie was good, the 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 new movie, but it was more of like a, this all happened before the TV show happened, so it really didn't give a lot of explanation as to you know even where their headquarters are and stuff like that. So sure. Good stuff for me. Yeah, and the new movie, which, again, I loved it, um, was very much a origin story. So <laughs> there is no uncle in the TV show. Not until the last, at, like, two minutes of the show. Well, yeah, and really, <laughs> the or, the uncle organization has, like, four people. Right. Um, I thought that was – because, quite frankly, back in the 60s, the whole idea that the Russian, you know, Russian agent and – American agent working together in some world organization. BS, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's United Nations, sure, but really actually having enforcement agents in some kind of like parallel um, enforcement organization, mm, probably never going to happen. Well, who knows, maybe someday. But uh, it just was not realistic for the 60s. What they did in the movie was much more realistic and much more plausible. I mean, there was those Cold War um, issues were going on to the point where you couldn't know for sure at the end whether Kiriakin and uh, Sola would end up killing each other. So I thought that was a much better way of handling it than the way the TV series did it, but whatever. Well, I mean, but the TV series just starts kind of in the middle, though, right? They're already buddies. Oh, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, they they, they don't – but the – I completely agree. So they're they're basically saying right off the bat, "Hey guys, uh, just suspend a disbelief. Just go with this. Uh, you know, in the real world, the Russians and Americans ain't going to work together. <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, yeah. Just go with this. They're anyway. probably going with the same thing Star Trek did, which is we should all get along. Uh, yeah, Russians but, and Americans working together. Yeah, which is good. It's just that that was hundreds of years in the future with Star Trek, as right. opposed to in the 60s, which that kind of stuff probably wasn't going on. Right. Uh, but, but that would be an optimistic way to look at it. 
Yeah, you're right. It's it was an optimistic way of looking at things. Right. Anyway. Okay. So, um I I think um Man from Uncle, I think it came out in 65, a year before Star Trek. Oh, did it? And there the first season is all black and white. Um so I think it's season 2 it went color. So they filmed right. the, they filmed the pilot in color and then they filmed the rest of the series in black and white. Well, I'm think I think they filmed everything in color and then you could only broadcast in black and white back in 1965. Okay. So they didn't uh I think they were just starting to get broadcast equipment and filming equipment that could handle color. Um yeah. So the big deal with the peacock, you know, the on NBC. Right. You know, the big, you know, with all the colors and the leaves and things, that was the big deal because we were just first getting color on televisions in 66. Yeah, so they were showing it off. Yeah. So, I'm sure that's part of the reason why Star Trek had such colorful uniforms and stuff. Yeah, it's like, hey, guys, trip. color. Let's, let's try to maximize this. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. All right. Anything else? Um, uh, I think the drawing of Leo G. Carroll who was the actor that plays uh, Waverly. I think it is horrible. I think it doesn't look oh. like him at all. Um, not even close. Well, okay, you can kind of tell he's Waverly, but really, it's not a good likeness at all. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I wasn't familiar with him, so he well, didn't look like Hugh Grant, so I was just like, oh, <laughs> he probably looks like the guy. Well, in the, in the pilot movie you saw, the leader... Of Uncle, who you only see very briefly at the, at, you know, near the beginning, you know, where there's that, that thing where there's the bulletproof right. glass that's being shot. And right. then, then Solo comes around and shoots the guys that infiltrated uh, Uncle headquarters. Um, the boss only comes out for a little while, and he's some dark-haired, um, you know, bearded guy. So Waverly wasn't even in the that pilot. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering what... what... Um, if I didn't, I didn't think any of those guys were the the main guy. I thought it was just a bunch of little minions. I don't remember him saying, "I'm the leader of this place." Well, he came out um, for a few minutes, and you you also saw uh, Kiriakin, but for yeah, a very short segments. amount of time. Yeah, yeah. Solo was operating very much uh, independently in that first pilot movie. Anyway, I just thought I'd mention Leo G. Carroll, a uh, very well known theater actor. And uh, this likeness is not good. Mm. Okay. Uh, another thing. Okay, this is the last thing I want to say at this one. When they were entering Uncle HQ the first time, I'm glad they took the time with it because that's exactly what they did on the TV show, at least in the beginning. So, you know, they would go through uh, the, 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 uh, the cleaners slash uh, men's clothing place. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they would kind of wave at each other, and then they would go through the, the agent entrance. And because you saw the, the movie, you mm-hmm. saw where the receptionist had to put the badges on. Right, exactly. Agents. And if she didn't put her fingers that were apparently covered with some kind of chemical, uh, uh, alarms would go off. But, Is that what it was? They didn't yeah. explain that. I wondered what the heck happened. Well, I think Solo mentioned something about it in the it's been a while since i've seen that movie well, i don't anyway, but so the thing <laughs> is what they show here is she is putting the yellow triangular badge on solo but kiriakin is putting it on himself <laughs> so i was like 
I hope she handed that to you, because otherwise the alarm's going to go off, Ilya. Don't you know how this works? <laughs> so in the t- in, in this comic, in you know, uh, Ilya's putting his own badge on. Which right, should, I see it shouldn't it. work. Okay. Anyway, I just thought I'd mention that. That's funny. That's the last thing I have to say on that one. All right, I'm ready to move on. Great. So number four, the Batman Affair, Chapter Four. Bruce Wayne, Agent of Thrush. Same people created it. Okay, same cover as Chapter Three, of course. Um, which really it's part of one book, paper book. Saturday night at Stately Wayne Manor, glamour in in the name of science. Bruce Wayne welcomes Commissioner Gordon and his lovely daughter Barbara to a garden party to celebrate and promote Wayne's Wayne Industries' recent foray into aerospace manufacture. Dick Grayson is temporarily reduced to passing around hors d'oeuvres the hors d'oeuvres tray, as Alfred is busy welcoming his friend, Alexander Waverly. Waverly and Alfred are catching up on old times. Bruce Wayne walks up and introduces himself to Waverly, not giving Alfred a chance to say a word. Waverly takes the opportunity to introduce Solo and Kiriakin to Mr. Wayne and Alfred. The two agents are busy watching the crowd, scanning for thrush agents. Though Kiriakin comes up empty on spotting thrush agents, he does notice the lovely Barbara Gordon, who he classifies as a person of interest. Solo and Wayne shake hands. Wayne says he is a fan of Uncle, and says having agents of their caliber couldn't hurt given the valuable equipment on display today. Solo asks why take such a risk putting such an advanced piece of tech on display to give competitors a look. Wayne explains his new subsidiary is promoting the advanced high-tech communications satellite to generate buzz and show his investors where all their money is going. Wayne says letting the investors into their top-secret lab would be an even bigger risk. Solo and Kiriakin discuss how Wayne's explanation seems a little weak. Solo says maybe Waverly is right to suspect Mr. Wayne, maybe an agent of thrush. Solo says he clearly has his secrets. The show begins, and billionaire, I'm sorry, millionaire Bruce Wayne introduces Professor Anders Overbeck, the designer of the W1 satellite. Overbeck begins to address the partygoers, and not far in starts talking about how some of his fellow scientists call his work very unscientific and how he is somehow cursed. Suddenly, a strong wind and noise come from above which stops the professor's speech cold. It's an egg-shaped aircraft in helicopter mode descending on the scene. It's Egghead and Poison Ivy. They start dropping party favors on the crowd as Bruce and Dick spring into action. The party favors from above are explosives and trigger a panic. People are scattering, trying to flee the area. The men from Uncle spring into action as Ivy deploys her plant men, who glide to the ground on wings made from leaves. But of course, one of them knocks Solo down from behind, and which knocks his gun out of his hand. The stupid but powerful creature picks up a bronze bust, ready to hurl it down on Solo, when Kiriakin unloads three 9mm slugs into the creature's back. The plant creature turns and just laughs off the bullets as Batman advances on him from his blind side. Before he can get to him, 
Batgirl lands a kick on the, on the Jolly Green Giant with all of her lovely weight. Solo is saved, but Ivy swings down on a vine and kicks Batgirl to the ground. Batman advances on Ivy, and she counters by commanding vines to entwine the Cape Crusader. Robin is dealing with several platmen at a time with cunning moves. Alfred and Waverly are able to use a flambe to catch one of the plant men on fire. Kuriakin cuts Batman free. They both take down a plant man with a judo hold and a karate chop. As they defeat the last of the plant men, Egghead shouts down at them from the helicopter that Ivy's plant men did exactly what they're supposed to do. It gave Egghead the chance to snag the satellite and haul it away with his airship. Ivy says they are now safely with their new employer's thrush. Ivy says, ta-ta, lawn lovers, as they speed away with the advanced satellite in tow. Batman and Uncle Bested? Can nothing stop this new alliance of evil? To be continued on this same bat time and bat channel. You had to wait a whole extra week to find out what happened. Ah, but luckily we don't. No, just a few minutes. Right. Just give us some time to talk this one over. Exactly. So, what'd you think? Um, I I thought it was a pretty cool little battle, and the first time we see our heroes fighting together, I, I did like that. And there are things I don't like, which we'll get into. <laughs> oh, really? What, what did you? Oh, what did you not like? Oh my God, those plant men! The oh, plant what a man? joke! Well, they were fantastic. Oh my God! Okay, so when I was a kid in the same time period, uh, green giant vegetables, you know, like in Kansas <laughs> stuff. Yes. Oh, ho, 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 green giant! It's like they were—they had commercials going like crazy. So they still have green giant vegetables, but I—I I have not seen a commercial from them in ages. But they used to have, you know. The Green Giant. And these guys look like the Green Giant from the vegetable company. <laughs> and then and then they're flying to the ground with kind of like flying squirrel ring, wings made out of uh, like leaves. Uh, kind of like, like Rocket J Squirrel. It's like, oh my god. I mean, th- that is so Batman to have something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wasn't too happy with the, the plant, the pod people, whatever you want to call them. The plant men. Right. Plant men that are somehow bioengineered by uh, poison ivy. Yes. Well, if if anybody's going to make plant men, it would be poison ivy. I agree with that. I agree with that. <laughs> Uma Thurman? Didn't Uma Thurman play ivy? Yes. Oh, let's, let's not talk about that one. Okay, I won't. Go ahead. The only movie that may be worse than the that Avengers one. No. Yeah. Where she was also in. Well, Avengers was just boring and not that good. But the Batman, those those Batman movies, oh my god, they were horrible. They were cringeworthy. Just the one. <sighs> what, okay, but there was a whole string of them that were bad in the middle. That killed right. the franchise. Uh, that one killed the franchise. Well, there were... Batman Forever came there, there before was... that and it, it still made a lot of money. It, but it was not good. Some people say it's better than Batman Returns. Oh my god, they're wrong. <laughs> Good god. Come on. Okay, whatever. Um Yeah, so let me just say that that Barbara Gordon was drawn quite well in this issue. She really does not look that much like Yvonne DiCarlo, who 
who is the actress that played Barbara Gordon. Craig? Oh, Craig. I'm sorry. Craig. My mistake. Oh. She, she, you know, again, it, it you know, it kind of gets across the point. Not a dead ringer, but, it, you know, she's drawn quite lovely right. in the comic book. I will say that when um, Bruce Wayne's just walking around, I thought he looked a lot like Adam West. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At times. Yep. But when they're when Egghead first shows up and they both say, you know what to do. Gosh, yes. Those that that shot right there uh-huh. looked exactly like Adam West and Burt Ward to me. Right. It's, it's the the best depiction of both of them in the story. I think the part where he's where um, Dick Grayson. And I got to say Dick Grayson because I really have a hard time just calling him Dick. Um, where he's take, where he's holding the Ors de Ovaries tray. I thought he kind of looked in that his face kind of looked like uh, Burt Ward's. Burt Ward. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. That was the one with uh, Batgirl too, Barbara Gordon. Right. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Dick. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not a nickname people use all that often anymore. No, you never hear that anymore. Huh. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so it was nice to see that – it was great to see that Commissioner Gordon was there long enough to introduce his daughter or bring his daughter to the party, and you never see him again. Well, he's, he's off chatting it up somewhere else. Oh, well, I mean, it, they're being attacked. Wouldn't you think the commissioner of police, <laughs> you might see him doing something again? Uh, no. Good point. His function was just to bring Barbara. Okay. Okay, bye. Well, I mean, let's be honest. What did Commissioner Gordon do in the old 66? Well, Batman? I know. Yes. He True. picked up the phone and called Batman. And by the way, that's another one where he doesn't look like the actor. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, doesn't in, he? In the last issue we saw him, I don't think in here you ever actually see his face, do you? Yeah, well, at the very beginning, like I say. When, when, he's, in, when he's got his daughter and he's introducing his daughter, or maybe not introducing, but, you know, where Bruce Wayne... Uh, yeah, but you hand. just see, like, the his he's always in profile or really far off. You don't actually see him, see him. But in the last issue, when he was actually talking, yes, I agree, he didn't look like a, the actor. No. Yeah, okay, so so issue three, right. At yeah. the beginning of issue three, he's freaking out. Right. Uh, which is pretty much the way he was in the 60s, <laughs> where he was basically useless. He and Chief O'Hara were useless. Eh, yeah. Um, but I, I don't think, I'm, I'm looking at the panel again, Yeah, I don't think he looks anything, no. not much at all like the... Uh, like the actor from the from the TV series, agreed. Uh, and and Commissioner Gort or the Chief O'Hara looks like Mr. Magoo oh. in profile. Uh, but whatever. He has a big snoz, that's for sure. Yes, he does. Anyway, so the artwork with Catwoman fighting, I thought looked really good. And also when Batman and them were fighting, it's the first time we really got to see him. Batgirl fighting. But, yeah, Batgirl and Batman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's the first time we've got to see him do anything in other than just get tied up and drive around in the Batmobile. <laughs> right. So lots of good heroic stuff. I thought that was good. Yeah. Um, I think the men from uncle, especially solo, uh, didn't end up doing much or like, mm, I mean, uh, solo got knocked out of it pretty quick. I mean, he got back into it, but you know, right. He, well, I'm sure there was a damsel somewhere that he had to go put the moves on. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and then, uh, Kiriakin was okay. I mean, he, yeah, he got he, to cut he Batman cut free. Batman free, yeah, yeah. And he was able to use his gun. That's so cool. Now, now, how did he know the Plant Man was like, oh, "I'm dumb and bullets can't hurt me." You know, he shoots him, don't he? He shoots him right in the back with three yeah. three bullets. Well, I don't think he was trying to not hurt him. 
No, I don't think so either. But three bullets, it's like, I mean, that's cool and everything. It kept things going. It underscored the idea that guns are not going to stop these guys. Um, but again, it's kind of, you know, you're going to shoot a guy three times. You yeah, know, one might have done it. At point blank range. Exactly. Yeah, good point. That's, oh, but. Well, I don't know. If you saw giant plant people falling <laughs> from the sky, you might, you but might you pull don't the trigger know more than plant once. people. They could have just had green makeup on. Oh, good point. Anyway, so. Well, they good. were flying. They were, you, there is that, yes. They were flying. <laughs> <laughs> like squirrels. That was a good analogy. We'll have to look up to see how many uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle comics there are. <laughs> oh, my God. Do we this do comics? This will never end. <laughs> I mean, do we do cartoons? Uh, I guess we could. <laughs> uh, anyways, I always liked Poison Ivy, but I don't think she transitions well into... Uh, live action or when you're trying to take anything seriously. Right. Um, but she kind of works here with uh, creating the vines and stuff like that. Right. Yep. Well, definitely, and, uh, her abilities are highly leveraged in this particular fight. Right. And then I did like Bruce Wayne's logic as to why they brought the satellite out there. That, uh, you know, what, he, what does he say? Something like, uh, well, I, where would be a better place here where I can see it or somewhere where somebody can come steal it without me knowing. What does he say? What's his now, exact? I, Something I, like I, that. I thought his, his point was um, better to have them see one piece of technology here than bring them all back to the secret uh, or all right. secret lab. And steal of, everything. Uh, give them a chance to see too much. Right. But uh, Brucey boy, Batman, uh, you let them get away with a satellite that they could reverse engineer. What's going on? That's not that's not very smart. Yeah, that was a bad move. Bad move. Bad move. All right, what else you got? Um, I got one last thing to say about this one. Okay. Um, there's a particular part here where Robin's like in the thick of things or something, and it looks like he's got tidy whiteies on that are green that are colored green. Now it's like I I know that's that's the outfit from the TV show and stuff, but man, yeah, I'm not following was, you. What's the problem? Well, I, I know it just <laughs> it's like uh, I mean, at least I mean Batman has like the boxer brief kind of things too, but at least he's got leggings. I mean, he I mean Robin basically kind of looks like he's a male hooker. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's wearing leggings, too. They're just flesh-toned. I don't think he's wearing leggings. Oh, he is. I, no. We watched it this morning. He is. I, I, okay, I'm looking at the panel where Robin's looking at, at the, the disintegrating plant guy. And those don't look like leggings. He looks like a male st- stripper or something. Anyway, <laughs> whatever. Yes, I know what you're saying. So... Uh, all right. Anything else? Nope. That's it. I did like how the uh, what's his name, Waverly and Alfred, both grabbed the uh, flambe, flambe, and threw it at the plant guy. Yep. Yep. That's clever. They're improvising. Shows that they had a rapport. Where I guess they did that back in in the war. Yep. Flambe plant people. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Apparently, Waverly didn't bring his um. 
breech loading. God, I forgot the name of the pistol. He used to have a revolver, like a like a breech loading revolver kind of thing that he would use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the few times you actually saw him with a gun, he normally didn't have a gun. But apparently, he did not bring that uh, that that revolver with him this time. He had to use a flambe. It was it was at a party. Yeah, they didn't think they were going to need it. Yeah, or maybe he did have it, but saw that Kiriakin's bullets didn't do any good. So, flambe time. Right. All right, ready to move on to issue five slash issue three. Let's do it. All right, so this is issue five of the digital, or issue three if you're reading along in the um, books. Uh, it's titled Chapter Five: Villains Arise. Uh, all the art and writing staff is the same. So the cover this time shows a close-up of Mr. Freeze's helmet, and within the reflection of the helmet, we can see Batgirl. Kiriakin, Robin, Solo, and Batman. And then Solo is reaching out towards Mr. Freeze's helmet, and it seems to be smearing a drop of water onto the helmet for some reason. Almost as if he was trying to draw on a tear or something. So the story starts off with Egghead and Ivy leaving the party along with the satellite. Batman informs everyone that that satellite was actually a fake and that he planted a bat transmitter in it so that they can track it. The remainder of Ivy's plant people start to decompose suddenly. Batgirl kicks the head off of one, and that reveals that there is a little radio inside of it. The good guys are then contacted by the big bad of these issues. Uh, He's some sort of person within Thrush, and his name is Corvid. He tells them that... This is not a major setback to his plan. Elsewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, a battlecruiser enters a strange fog. Suddenly, everybody on board starts to feel paranoid and starts seeing monsters. They start to all abandon ship. One, realizing that this is a chemical attack of some sort, dons a gas mask, but he is quickly bashed on the back of the head by a gun for his efforts. The Scarecrow and Olga are captains now. At an embassy, the Sandman arrives and sprinkles his dust all throughout the air. Quickly, all of the delegates are fast asleep and answering all the questions that Sandman asks. In London, scientists are experimenting with a new ray gun. Suddenly, the lab is attacked by Mr. Freeze and Siren. Once Freeze has frozen all the scientists to the ground with his ice gun, Siren sweetly sings a song to get all of the soldiers to help her take the ray out of the building. Elsewhere, the evil mastermind, who again is named Cordiv, watches as his plans are all coming together nicely. To be continued. Hmm. Who is this Corvid guy anyway? Hmm. I don't know, but answer me this. Riddle keep, me this, Batman. They keep making, or Solo was saying something about birds. Like he was, he was asking Cordiv if his name is Brown Owl or something like that. Yep. Did <clears throat> all of the Thrush people have bird names, or where was that coming from? Well, they actually explain it later in in the comic book. But uh, and I never knew this from the TV show, but apparently. According to the comic book, uh, thrush 
gives their operatives kind of like code names and their birds, their bird code names. So it's like, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So maybe I'm not that big into bird watching, but I'm what's not. a corvid? I have no idea, but I, it's got to be a bird. I just don't know what kind <laughs> of just, bird. We're just trusting that these writers know what they're talking about. All right, so I just looked it up. Yeah, corvid yeah, it's is a crow. actually a little bird. Yeah, it's a crow. Or it looks like, yeah, of the, of the crow family. Yeah, but I'm seeing like blue ones and stuff like that. Oh, well. But anyways, okay. All right, so it's a type of bird for sure. It's a type of bird. So we learned something about birds, like you mentioned, and we learned something about the old TV show. At least I assume they're right in what they're saying. (laughs) I don't remember that, but. I'm pretty sure they did their homework. Yeah. I did like the the giant kaiju that came out of the water. (laughs) When I first saw that, it was like, uh, uh, that really looks bad. It's like they're, they're, that can't be real, is it? And then it's like, oh my god, that's horrible. And then we find out it's it's only a, a a figment of the imagination caused by the Sandman's gas. So it's like, oh, thank God. Okay, fine. Okay, thank God. Okay. But I did really like how. I mean, obviously, this is a, a special effect that they could have never done in the '60s, right? I mean, they couldn't have pulled they, that off. They could have done stop animation. Yeah, that would cost money. And oh, well, I, I know, you, I know, you, I know. Okay, you've so seen the show, they didn't. So they had the technology. It's just they didn't have the budget. Okay, right. Yeah, but uh, but then so I liked how they you know they're doing something that we wouldn't have necessarily seen in the old show, and then I liked how just as far as the story aspect goes, I liked how everybody was seeing something different. So one guy was seeing the giant kaiju, while the next person was seeing snot monsters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then some were just being paranoid, you know, just normal paranoia type stuff. Right. So I, I liked I liked that a lot. Yes. That, uh, that not everybody sees the same thing. Right. Cool. Yeah. And Scarecrow, handy guess. Scarecrow would have been an interesting character to introduce in the 60s. I think Too he Too bad would. they never did. Yeah. Okay, so Scarecrow didn't exist until what decade? I think he existed. He just wasn't in the in, old TV in the show. old TV show, right? I think he and Two Face were both characters they wanted to do, but they thought was didn't quite fit the family friendly version that they were creating, right? So that's why they created you know new ones like Sandman and Egghead and things like that, right? Well, another thing is if you ha- if your thing is to have guest stars, you know, known actors as guest starring villains, uh, with that Sandman mask on you know right you, know, you couldn't you couldn't see them much right so you pay for victor borga to come in and do it and you don't even see his face most of the thing you know it's like eh. well so instead we get liberace playing buddy <laughs> what, what did liberace play i mean a piano, piano i know that <laughs> i know i walked into that i knew it right away but i'm just saying I don't know. It was I forgot his Ch- chandelier, chandelier, something like that. Oh, was that the name of the villain? Yeah, I mean it was somebody made up for the show. Sure, but yeah, his big thing was also playing the piano. <laughs> well, he had to be. That's Liberace. <laughs> I'm thinking Liberace might have been typecast. Yeah, <laughs> you know I'm getting the feeling. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yes, it is. So I don't think they do a good job explaining. 
exactly why the Sandman, how the Sandman got as far as he did, you know, because they're all having dinner and then he just shows up and starts sprinkling dust on them. Oh, right. You know, you would think that he would have some opposition. Yeah. Uh, they're supposed to be like, like really important leaders of the world that know stuff. And he just walks in. Now, I'm going to guess that he used his, his sprinkling powers on the guards, too. But Right. Um, but, I mean, you would think that, you know, if I'm 100 yards away from you and I see you you as being the other guard suddenly fall to the ground asleep yeah. and this guy in a gaudy fur coat standing over you, I'm probably going to start shooting before he can get to me and start sprinkling me with dust. <laughs> Especially if he's an uncle agent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes they're just expeditious. Let's just get them in there. Let's not worry about how. Let's get them in there. Yeah, at least at least the Freeze Ray and her song. I could see how they could get through a military uh, guard. Well, especially, especially the hot chick, the siren. I mean, oh, no problem with her. You mean Joan Collins? Exactly. Walking up, hi, big boy, and then she starts singing. Right, that's a pretty good power, I must say. And they're probably standing there going, "Weren't you in that Star Trek show?" <laughs> Edith Keeler, right? Exactly. Oh, no, you exactly. did. Yeah. And then they start shooting her because you got to die in order for the time plane to get back. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the show. <laughs> good point. Good point. Uh, speaking of the Sandman, you'll notice that he he's holding a rather weighty cassette recorder. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I had a cassette recorder like that. Oh, me too. When I was a kid. Now, that might have been more like the 70s now that I think back on it. But, you know, I had a Panasonic cassette player that recorded that just looked just like that. And that's the one I used to record Star Trek episodes, the audio anyway. Uh, when I was a kid, but I was like, "Hey, that's this is when I saw Sandman using it. Hey, that's my uh, that's, <laughs> that's my cassette deck. That's awesome. So that's cool. I mean, they're showing something more or less that was in the time period. Actually, maybe it's the seventies. Maybe they're right. more like reel to reels back then. They didn't have cassette cassette technology yet, but it's close enough. So at least they were keeping it in the ballpark of what was around the sixties, right? Um, so." Kudos on that. I love that. Not kudos on the voice control Batmobile. So I'm not going to go back to that again, but <laughs> I just thought I'd mention it briefly. Well, we only got one more to do today, and maybe uh, maybe you'll have something to bring back up on that one. Okay. Let's find out. Do you have anything else about this nope. issue? That's all oh, I wow. say. That was a quick one. Yep. All right. So the last one we're going to do today is issue six of the digital. Uh, it is entitled, and I forgot to write it down. The Batman Affair, Chapter 6, Secrets and Spies. Secrets and Spies. There we go. All right, so I had the same cover as Issue 5. Starts off in the Batcave. Um, Alfred's there reading a newspaper when he's informed by Batman that he's bringing in a guest and that Alfred needs to make himself scarce. So once he departs the cave, uh, the Batmobile arrives with a sleeping Batgirl in the passenger seat and Robin driving her Batcycle. Batgirl is sprayed with an aerosol can of Batwake and is honored to find herself inside the cave. They then open a video conference call with the Uncle Team. 
Batgirl and Robin are both very impressed with this level of technology that allows communications over video screens. Solo informs the Bat team all about Thrush and how they have ties all over the world. They are led by a council of evildoers, all with code names named after birds. The newest general in this council is Corvid. Solo then introduces everyone to a bookstore owner from Michigan, who just happened to witness a secret meeting of Thrush. She recounts the stories that she overheard. One involved Mr. Freeze creating icebergs that captured other ships. Another was about a ship that sank without any damage to it. And she is quite smitten with Mr. Solo. Batman sees this as a huge risk to allow citizens to risk their lives for fighting crime. Kuriakin also informs them that Sandman had been seen at an embassy and they had some of his sand powder as evidence. It is soon deduced that the next Thrush meeting will be in Monaco, so the two groups agree to meet there. The Bat family takes the Bat plane and they meet with the uncle team at some agent's home. They talk about an upcoming party where all the big players in Corvid's group will, be, will attend. Solo and Kuryakin are already too well known to, to be able to infiltrate it. And the costumed crime fighters are going to be way too obvious. Batman then makes the ultimate sacrifice so that they would not have to involve any other civilians. He takes off his cowl and he says, Bruce Wayne will not be out of place at such an event. Batgirl and Robin are shocked by this move. To be continued. What? We've got Bruce Wayne as Batman? Oh my god. Oh, you didn't already know? I did not know that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Bruce Wayne has been Batman the whole time. Oh, my God. You know, it is funny. I mean, at least Batman has the cape and cowl kind of thing to cover his identity. So that's better than a pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. But um, also, he didn't change his voice at all <laughs> in, in the, the TV show, series. Right. In the old show. Absolutely. So if you, if you were like a blind guy, it's like uh, who actually may have met you know, Batman and heard his voice. And then you, you come upon Bruce Wayne. It's like, Hey, Batman, how's it going? You know. <laughs> well, there's that great episode oh, no. where, where Batman's on the phone talking to commissioner Gordon and then commissioner Gordon says, well, hold on, Batman, let me let you talk to Bruce Wayne. I have him on the other line. And then, <laughs> so he puts the two phones together and Batman has the red phone in one ear and a normal phone in the other. And he's actually talking to himself, uh, through through each phone, it's it's quite hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then uh, my I'll give my wife credit for this joke, but she's she's always making fun of when like in the old George Reeves Superman or even in Batman when somebody would answer the phone, you know, somebody that knows both Bruce Wayne and Batman, and as soon as Superman starts talking or whatever, instead of saying. Clark, is that you? They're like, oh, hey, Superman, what's going on? You know, that they just, <laughs> they just know. Exactly. Depending on what he was wearing on the other side of the, the phone. Exactly. Good stuff. But yes, here he is, un- unmasked in front of 
Batgirl for the first time. You know, that's a that's a big move move right there. Well, did she never knew his real identity in the show? Did she, she? never did know? Hmm. That's why they made such a big deal about putting her to sleep before they brought her in, because she just can't know where the Batcave is. Right. They're trying to protect her, but now she no problem. Hey, I'm Bruce Wayne. It's just right. odd. Well, I I see it as Batman really having a hard time with potentially endangering civilians in their effort. So, well, okay. So before they could recruit some other bookstore owner from Michigan or Monaco or whoever Solo would swoon to, mm-hmm. to get to help him, he jumped on it himself. I thought it was good. I liked it. Yeah. Well, no, the, the idea that he was going to go undercover is perfect. But the fact that he was uncovering that he's Batman is is just surprising. I mean, he doesn't know these guys very well. He trusts them. They're from Uncle. He does, but still, I'm just okay. Uh, I agree. Bye. I agree. It was a big move. Yeah. Another thing interesting is um, Gotham is going to be oper- is operating in Monaco. Monaco. So he's walking around in his Batman outfit in Monaco. <laughs> I mean, in the TV series. Okay, so so maybe he operated in Londinium or something. Um, but other than that, I don't remember in the TV series him ever operating outside of Gotham City. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I don't remember there ever being a scene outside of Gotham City. Okay, but there was a there was an episode of Batman where they were in basically in London, but they called mm-hmm. it Londinium. Now I don't remember the details of it. Um, but other than that, that that little that little memory cell firing. Uh, I don't remember <laughs> ever seeing him operating outside of Gotham. I will trust you. I don't remember that, but stranger yeah. things have happened. Right. So, I, you know, it's just kind of a little odd Batman walking around in his outfit in Monaco. I mean, people would be like laughing or something. Like, right. the hell are you? <laughs> what is it? Halloween? Oh, we don't have Halloween here. So I, there's no there's no explanation for you. Right. <laughs> and there's three of them. Yeah, Right. Yes, but I mean, uh, you know, they kind of mention it with the the airplane. You know, it's kind of a throwaway line, but they're like, uh, "It was nice of the aircraft carrier to let us refuel." And oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Commodore Schlepp is a big fan of the Batman. Yeah, so stupid. <laughs> well, yeah, and the Bat plane. I thought the Bat plane was very interesting. It looked so. Awesome. It did look awesome. It basically looked like an American fighter jet. Now I don't remember. I don't think it's the Thunderbolt, but it's like there was a specific. Uh, American fighter, kind of a beefy one, kind of a big one, that it looks like they might have modeled that drawing off of. Right. Um, three people. You know, obviously they got space for three people. That's unusual in a fighter. Um, uh, and the other thing is, when I first looked at that thing, it was like, what was that? What was that behind the cut? Was is that R two D two? And then I zoomed in on it and said, oh no, that's not R two D two. Okay, fine. Oh, it's just that little, the same cone thing that's on the top of the, the... the Batmobile? Batmobile, isn't it? I, I don't know, maybe. But, but yeah, it does look uh, a little R2-D2-ish. Yeah, it's it's a different color, so it's it really, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like tan or something. So it's it's a different color from the black hull of the Bat plane. Uh, so you can really see it. And it's like, huh, ah, hey. Anyway, that's, I was thinking R2-D2. Anyway. That's funny. That's funny. No, it looks great. I th- I thought it looked, uh, you know, I don't 
in the old show, he never had a bat plane, but uh, he did in the comic books, and this kind of fits in with yeah that style. And he had the bat wing. Well, yeah. The, um, in the Michael Keaton ones, or the second one. Was it the second one? Mm-hmm. No, no, it was the first one. First one. And oh, did he third. have it in the first one? Okay. Yeah. The bat wing. Yeah, ever since that Michael Keaton one, every version of Batman has had some sort of flying vehicle. Right. But the best, obviously, was Christopher Nolan's uh, uh, The Bat. No, that's my least favorite. Really? I love yeah, that. I hated that one. That is cool. <laughs> Why do you hate it? I don't know. It just, I just, I mean, it makes more sense. I mean, it's just like a helicopter, like some sort of weird, weird helicopter thing. But I don't know. I just didn't didn't care for it too much. Not enough bat wings on it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so you you think it doesn't look like uh, it doesn't look like a bat? Yeah, it didn't look like a bat. Yeah. Well, this 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 plane in this comic doesn't look that much like a bat either. It has uh, the the fins like the Batmobile does. Well, on the wings and stuff. Yeah. No, I I get it. I, I know I know like my that. argument's stupid, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it's my personal opinion. It's my least favorite of his flying apparatus. Okay. Well, I thought it was the coolest. Now, when yeah. I first saw it, it was like, "What the hell is that?" And then and then you come to find out there's two rotors, helicopter rotors underneath right. it. Mm-hmm. It's like. That is a cool design. It seems totally impractical, <laughs> but it's a cool design. Right. And isn't it, isn't it handy how he was able to keep it under a tarp for months? Well, yeah, and in nobody that, tracks that last it. Movie. So no, so nobody in you know Gotham's falling apart. Nobody's able to get in or out. You know, there are all kind of satellites looking down at it, and yet it's somehow. There you go. Somehow go. never seen by satellites. That's right. And handy you didn't have it in the Batcave. Yeah. Since Spain got all that stuff. Right. So, so yeah. There's a, there's a few problems with that movie I had. Yeah. But still, it was a cool movie. It was a good movie. Just like... That's good. Just like the Batman 66 movie I thought was great. Yeah. Now, it is funny. If, if you came into our Batman house, 66 movie was horrible. It was fantastic. It was horrible. Fantastic. When that rubber shark... Was on yes. Batman's leg. Yes, and he, and had he was the on the rope. Repair. You know the yes, the, the awesome. rope ladder. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's funny is that I'm up here working on the podcast early this morning, and yeah. I was like, I need to finish because I I really want to go down and finish that episode of Man from Uncle I'm watching. Yeah. I, I, I was in the middle of. Right. So I'm working on it, and then my daughter comes up, and she's like. Can I watch the Batman where he tries to get rid of that bomb and they uh, can't throw it into the water because there's ducks and then there's a parade <laughs> that keeps coming and I'm like, and I'm like, why are you asking me that? Because she didn't see what I was reading. Right. And I was like, why are you asking me that? Why are you asking me that? She's like, I just really want to see it. And I'm like, come here and look at what I'm reading. And then you know it was the Adam West Batman and she's like, right. oh yeah, that's the one I want to watch. And I'm like, you're kidding me. So. So this morning, after I, after I got it, you know, got her, showed her where it was in a huff. She's watching it in one room, and then when I finished what I was doing with the comic book, I went down and, and watched the rest of Man from Uncle. So in our house, we had one room watching Batman sixty six and one room watching Man from Uncle. <laughs> it's very fitting for today. I thought <laughs> quite a coincidence. But yeah, uh, no, that the Batman sixty six movie is a, is a player here at the house. Ah, good. I've got it, mind you. I do have it. I just don't. It doesn't get a lot of viewings. Yeah, well, I don't 
I don't uh, get time to watch rewatch anything, but yeah, I get what you're saying. When I was a kid, I liked it because I was a little kid. And then when I was a young adult, I thought it was really stupid. And then now that I'm older, I'm like getting – I get the jokes that they knew it was all a joke. Right. So I enjoy it a lot more now. But anyways, um, back to Man from Uncle. What yes. did you think about the, the bookstore girl? That seems fitting from what little I know of Napoleon Solo that – yeah, he's was a, that kind of the thing of the week where he would always meet up with some new girl and she had to help him with uh, the adventure? Or Well, that's what they started out with. So okay. you saw the first movie, right? the uh, pilot, whatever. So it was uh, – what was her name? Pat? I mean she was in a lot of things. The, the actress they had um, – they had helping him. Right. Who, who happened to know Vulcan from right. college. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think she was a mom on some TV show or something. Anyway, so uh, they did that because because the idea was that you wanted to have the audience relate to that person, that common, normal, everyday person who was able to take, you know, go on the adventure, and you would relate to that person. So they did do that, but they didn't do that in every episode, not by a long shot. And I think they finally just stopped doing it. Okay. But they do do right. a couple of times. They, they do indeed do that. Okay. Well, when this happened, the Michigan girl, it kind of, it kind of clicked on me that I was like, oh, maybe that's a thing they do. They do a lot. Yeah. So there was one episode, uh, the the farmer's daughter. So he ends up, um, like in in Kansas or something, trying to Iowa or something on some mission, trying to do something, and uh, he ends up enlisting the aid of this farm girl and. She's, of course, a lovely blonde lady, and uh, whatever. Okay. And she helps him? Oh, she does. She goes above and beyond what she was capable of doing to do of it? Of course. And then at the end, you know, uh, you know, she says, well, he says, well, come to, come to New York sometime. New York City. I'll show you New York City. It's like, oh, boy. Don't lead her on, Napoleon. Do not lead her on, because you know you will not, keep, not stay with her. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool that you were thinking of her virtue. Well, virtue or her feelings. Whatever it is. Yeah, feelings. Yeah. So I got one more question about uh, not necessarily the book, but the movie, the TV show. Yeah. So the movie introduced that woman, and she kind of seemed like she was going to be a, a heavy player in the Man from Uncle. Is she in the show at all? Is she, well, is she that? One? The. In the new movie, the reboot movie. Oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is she the Channel D girl that he talks to? Oh, no, not at all. Communications? Oh, okay. No, no, the, no. No, the the Channel D girl was more like uh, like a watered-down money penny, if anything. Uh, That's what no. she seemed like in the in the pilot, but then I thought, well, maybe she might be more like this other girl from the movie. No, there, no it was always just the two of them. It was Kiriak, and, and even in the first one, Kiriak didn't do much of anything, but uh, in the pilot. But then in the regular show, it's it's a duo thing. So they they okay. work together. There is no there is no lady. I mean, well, maybe that maybe an episode might have had a lady spy helping out, but I don't remember that from the TV show. I, I kind of like that. I mean, the, the actress that they're using in the reboot movie, right? I, she's really good. Uh, what ex Manchia girl? Oh, was that her? Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, I thought she was great. Uh, she's, she's, I think she was great in the role, and I think it was great that they had. A character like that, 
uh, made it more of a three-way thing, get a lady involved that was as smart and capable as the boys. I thought that was very good. I liked that. Okay, but that's not from the show. But... Uh, I, I don't ever remember that in the show. Okay. Uh, unless they might have had an episode where they introduced the April Dancer, uh, the, you know, the girl oh, from Uncle. Yeah, right. I mean, they, they might have had like a spinoff kind of episode that had her in it, introduced her. Right. Um, but I don't remember that. Okay. Um, All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, I don't have anything else to say except for one thing. All right. Go ahead. Uh, and I wish we were going to – okay, so maybe next week we'll we'll continue on with, with this series. But um, I got a huge theory about who Corva, Corvid is. Um, oh, do we, that's all right. We, we don't know who Corvid is. We don't – we still don't know who Corvid is by the end of this. And around issue three or so or issue two, I had a theory about who Corvid – it occurred to me. And I was expecting that by by the time I read to the you know fourth, fifth, sixth issue, obviously they would they would unmask the person because I'm sure Corvid is somebody that we have seen already in these issues. Um, um yeah. So who do you think it is? Because I I know who it is. Oh, okay. Well, I think it's Doctor Hugo. Yes, it was actually Doctor Hugo Strange, although they don't use the last name. Right. Yeah. They. Uh... I guess I did okay, see so. like a, a little. Because uh, you're in the spoilers, you, you well, don't no. really spoil. So I just spoiled it for for the vast <laughs> listening audience. <laughs> Whoops! Yes, yeah, spoiler, guys. I had forgotten that it's not in this one because because when I was trying to see how many of these we would be able to have before this issue, yeah, I was kind of like looking at the uh, first pages of all the upcoming issues, and in one of the uh, upcoming issues, uh, that's like. The splash page on the first page. Oh, okay. So uh, I had actually forgotten that it wasn't already in there. Sorry. Okay. Well. So, so... let's let's take that back. Yes, Ken, that's a very good theory. <laughs> 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 well, because I've been watching Gotham this season so far, and I so I know he's a bad guy. Um, ultimately, they, they haven't disclosed exactly how bad yet on the TV series, Gotham. But, uh, so it's like, well, they don't use his last name, but if that Dr. Hugo, I mean, he was a doctor at Arkham. Um, if it's the same guy, he's a bad guy. And he's acting like a wimp. Uh, and then it was icing on the cake when, you know, when that platform went down. And then for the first time, um, Egghead and the other, other five had heard, had been introduced to Corvid. Right. Uh, and he said, I know your psyches. I know you're, you know, you're going to betray me if you get the chance. Well, you're not going to get the chance. I know your psyches. Hmm. Mm. Sounds like a psychiatrist to me. And how would he know their psyches so well? Um, well, if you were the doctor at Arkham Asylum, well, you'd probably know that. Anyway. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know where I saw that from. I swear I did. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. Anyways, yeah, so too bad we won't be covering these issues uh, next week, you know, because they're not out yet. Right. And that's the only reason we wouldn't cover them next week, right? Exactly. That's the only one. That's okay. We we, we take breaks between things, uh, story arcs on other things, so. Right. Not a problem. All right, Ken, well, do you want to tell us what we are going to do next week? 
What, you're setting me up? What is that? I can't say that. Oh, you just want me to wing it? Nah, tell them the real truth. Oh, so now we're going to, oh, this is where we unveil ourselves, unmask ourselves? <laughs> yes, like Bruce Wayne, we are going to unmask ourselves in front of the people. <laughs> well, Donovan, I guess it's time to unmask things. This is our annual April Fool's episode. Amazing, I'm sure nobody got that. Yeah, everybody thought we were being serious, maybe. No, maybe. So next week we're going to be doing IDW, uh, Alien Spotlight Romulans. And uh, what we're going to do another Romulan uh, series. What, Hollow Crown? I think. Hollow Crown 1 and 2, yep. Right, so that's what we're doing next week. So, uh, so we're, we're not... Those are really... I really like those those uh, those issues. That's that's really a very cool Romulan story with a lot more meat to it. True. So love that. But saying that, just so that we level set, we unfortunately will not be doing any more seventies stuff. So if y'all were really looking forward to stuff? those, yeah, sixty stuff. If you were looking forward to those gold key man from Uncles, or maybe Bewitched, or the Bewitched, or Lost <laughs> in Space, or whatever. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh not not here my friend oh you never know what's going to happen in uh april 1st 2017 though right well and you also never know what's going to happen when we eventually get caught up and we don't have any more star trek to do oh my god <laughs> okay the never yes. ending podcast okay well i gotta have some reason to have to keep talking to you every week there you go sounds like a good reason to me <laughs> Yes. All right. Well, hopefully no. everybody enjoyed this this issue, and it's kind of a one off. And what if we really were doing Batman and Man from Uncle? I, I enjoyed it. I did too. Uh, Batman and the Avengers. I mean, there are so many possibilities. This could be a spinoff, uh, you know, if we had the time, which we don't. So right. Yeah. Well, like I said, we're eventually we're going to get caught up. Yeah. Right? Maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I think. I think actually achieving this would be. Uh... Uh, <laughs> that's the end goal well let's just let's just focus on one thing at a time Ken. every star trek comic book ever published you say it every week i know i mean it okay so uh just as a side note we are finally getting reprints of all of the uh, uk comic strips idw is about to release that and uh, my collection of the uk comic strips is a little spotty so it'll be oh, nice cool. to have a finite, ver- you know, a final, a definitive collection. Definitive collection. That's where I'm going for. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, so because we haven't actually done any of the UK stuff, so it'll be nice to finally get that in uh, in the proper order. Nice hardcover versions that IDW is going to have. So cool, very cool. So when that comes out, we might have to spend a good chunk of time just running through all those. Okay. But anyways, yep. Next week. IDW, Alien Spotlight, and Romulans. Cool. All right. Anything else, Ken? That's it. Thanks for joining us, everybody, on the April Fool's Review. Later.
is a man who leads a life of danger. To everyone he meets, he stays a stranger. With every move he makes, another chance he takes. The odds are he won't live to see tomorrow. Secret agent man, secret agent man. I'd have given you a number and taken away your name. Secret agent man, secret agent man. I'd have given you a number and taken away your name.
Yeah.